0: regular podcast series brought to you by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Center. We're bringing you all things to do with St. Catharines, our history, and what's going on in our museum. Today, you're listening to, well, me. My name is Sarah Nixon, public programmer here at the St. Catharines Museum. Our community is filled with diverse stories, and we recognize that our story begins with the indigenous peoples of this land. We acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on lands that have been inhabited by Indigenous peoples for millennia, and we would like to honor the centuries of Indigenous peoples who walked on Turtle Island before us. This is the fourth and final part in our Canal Crossings mini-series, where we explore the bridges that cross the Welland Canal. To help tell this fascinating history of these engineering structures, I brought on longtime St. Catherine's Museum volunteer Des Corin.
1: Hey Des Greetings and salutations, Sarah. I'm glad to be with you again.
0: Awesome. Over the course of this mini-series, we have explored the history of the bridges built over the Welland Canal. We've taken a closer look at the canal crossings that exist today, including the tunnels and the Garden City Skyway, and we've also peeked into the grim history of bridge accidents and disasters. I want us to end this podcast on a lighter note, to lift us up, if you will, and explore a few community stories involving canal crossings in our history. We hope that these stories give you a smile, probably a head shake, and ideally, a reminder that our community would not be the same without these canal crossings. Okay, Dez. our last podcast considered the dark history of accidents on bridges. Not that any accident on the bridges are happy accidents, But can you share any stories that end on a lighter note?
1: Of course. Let me just delve into a couple here. The first that comes to mind would be July 23rd, 2013. We're driving our truck, our brand new uh, pickup truck along Lakeshore Road. Uh, We're past Arthur Street. We're now headed towards the canal, past the uh, junction of Bunting Road, and the Light is red, but the bridge isn't starting to go up, so ah, I know I can can run this and get across. And then, oh, son of a gun, the bridge is going up. So, slam on my brakes. Now what happens? I'm going back up. Oh, I can't. The safety arm has come down behind me. I'm trapped. I'm trapped. That big bridge is going up, and that heavy, heavy counterweight is coming down. Oh, no. I live here. I know the Seaway will see me and stop the bridge. No problem. But they're not. It's coming down. Now, I got the wife with me, so we'd better bail. And that's exactly what we do. We bail out. And, gosh, that big counterweight crushes my brand-new truck. There's a guy from the Standard. He's taking pictures. And then there's a policeman who gives me a, a... ticket for running the red light and that was all reported maybe not quite so colorfully but that was reported in the St. Catherine standard uh, July the 23rd it was on the fr- like the, the paper had the initial front page there always was a page called uh, local news that was the headline that was the main story that day what happened to a person who decided to take a chance on the, on the red light
0: Oh, no, my gosh, what a close call. Uh, I do want to say that we decided not to mention any names since 2013 is a pretty recent history, but we thought that this very close call on a bridge definitely deserved some note in this podcast episode. (laughs) Uh, Des, what about any unusual incidents involving ships?
1: Well, whenever we're thinking of Lock 1 and bridge one light on Lakeshore Road. Another story jumps to mind. That being April, 5th. this was also again in the St. Catherine Standard on the local news headline page. It said, Laker hooks a whopper, a car. <laughs> and what happened? It tells you that two days earlier, a ship by the name of the Bay St. Paul. Now, the Bay St. Paul was a brand new ship built by—actually, uh, it was built in, in China, but the CSL brought it to Canada in 2012. It was, it was like I said, a brand new ship. It had dropped an anchor on the other side of the, of, of the bridge in the Port Weller entrance, And then when it started to pull the anchor up, it had snagged onto a rusted-out car. I just wish I'd been there that day to see this, because I can just imagine what the big ship with a a car dangling. Ultimately, they had to bring in a crane and divers before the ship could actually depart. So it's just not necessarily a funny story, but I kind of like to see a big ship dangling a, a car from its anchor.
0: I agree that that would absolutely be something interesting to see as a ship dangling a car from its anchor. All right, so as a kid, I was always afraid of being caught on the bridge as it was lifting. When crossing a lift bridge, I would shut my eyes really, really tight and wait until the rumbling of the car wheels on the bridge to stop before I open them again. Do you have any stories of people being caught on the bridges?
1: Well, the first story there comes to mind was May 1936. Now, if you put that in context, the canal opened 1932, so this is a, a the canal is like a, a new thing at this point in time and very, very significant. The Governor General of Canada, Lord Tweedsmere, and his wife, Lady Tweedsmere, came to St. Catharines on a visit, and part of their itinerary was to go for a ride on Bridge 5, Glendale Avenue, so they're on the bridge, they go up to the top. Now, that bridge has a lift of 112 feet, so that's how far they are above the bridge. They were entertained and uh, by uh, Mr. C.W. West and Alexander Grant. Now, those two gentlemen were the present and the past superintendent engineers of the canal. So they were totally conversant with all the mechanics. And if you think 1936, uh the top of, of that the bridge general motors wasn't there that was just you know that was just empty land uh now you have a fantastic view of, of the of the flight locks but that's what they would see and I, I can just imagine the lord like whenever he was asked his opinion he said it was a magnificent view and i i can i can just visualize a lord at the top and that's what he could see, and that's uh, that was uh, in 1936.
0: Oh, wow, that's fantastic. It's funny to think of Glendale Bridge being this... VIP tourist attraction where these very important people, the Lord and Lady Tweedsmere, they visit Niagara, they get a tour of the Welland Canal, which like you say is this very new engineering marvel that just opened a few years earlier, and they ride Glendale Bridge, kind of like a a Ferris wheel or something.
1: I can I can just imagine. Yes.
0: Oh, and you're right. Like, think about what that area would have looked like in the 1930s. It would have been mostly farmland and canal. That would have been. Would have had great views of the flight logs. Great views of the of the lake if it was a super clear day. Uh,
1: well, from the pictures I have seen, yes, it was. A, you, you can see the cars down below, but yes, it, it, it does look like it was a very good view.
0: Oh, awesome! We do have photos in the museum collection of. Tweedsmere's very VIP ride on Glendale Bridge so I'll definitely have to post those in the blog notes. Any other incidents?
1: Well another one comes to mind Lord Tweedsmere thought that his view was magnificent and that was from Bridge, like we just said, in Bridge 5, 1936. Now I suspect that the view from the top of Bridge number 11 Allenburg Road uh, was equally magnificent to three teenage boys. And what happened on the early hours of August the 5th, 2013, three teenage boys decided to ignore the warning signs and trespass onto the bridge. They knew the bridge was about to go up. A ship was coming. So consequently, they get a ride to the top. But unfortunately for them, a deckhand on the ship that was passing saw them, reported them to authorities, and that's where their joy must have come to an end because the regional police were called, they arrived at the scene, and according to their report, it read, we didn't know if they were in distress or just whooping and hollering. So they made the decision that they needed help, and that brought out the Thorold Fire Department, and it brought out the Niagara Falls High Angle Rescue Team, and the three teenagers were rescued from the top of the bridge. Uh, Now, it only got worse from there. The bridge, of course, was up. Uh, Traffic. There wasn't much traffic in the middle of the night, but the Highway 20 was closed for three hours. The Seaway was closed in part for three hours, and the Seaway estimated that that cost was about $5,000. So the three boys were charged with mischief, over five thousand dollars they were all underage so we don't know names but it's just the the, the two opposites lord tweedsmuir and three teenage boys
0: <laughs> oh my gosh i'm sure that that would have caused quite the drama for maybe the boys families but also on the seaway they lost five thousand dollars worth of of money during those three hours and I also want to comment about what is it with the year 2013, all of the accidents you're talking about.
1: <laughs> well, we, we already talked uh, in an earlier podcast about 13 being an unlucky number. Whether it was back then or now, 13 is still unlucky.
0: <laughs> that must be what it is. What I love about these stories is that they show that these backdrops in our everyday infrastructure really do add color to the fabric of our community. They are backdrops to a whole bunch of stories and histories and memories that make up our community identity. I really don't think we'd be the St. Catharines we are without the canal crossings. thank you so much for returning to the podcast today and to end the canal crossings mini series on a more uplifting note the bridges whether a vertical lift a swing a double or single leaf bascule the garden city skyway or the hidden in plain sight remnants of old the tunnels and the ferries and whatever other canal crossings there are These backdrops to our daily lives are ingrained in us and our sense of St. Catherine's and the Welland Canal. The next time you find yourself stuck at a bridge, we hope you can recall the stories we've shared on this mini series with a bit of fondness, though we understand if you're still slightly annoyed about waiting.
1: Sarah, I want to thank you for the opportunity of sharing my winter project. When I started, The bridges were just another interesting annoyance, but that changed with their stories. And when you consider that there are only 11 major vertical lift bridges in Canada, three of them are here and one in Burlington, there are 13 major operational bascule bridges in Canada, six of them between Port Weller and Port Colburn. So my positive takeoff From this is that today's bridges are a unique, historical, yet practical resource of St. Catharines and the Niagara region. We really should give them more respect.
0: I absolutely agree with you, Des. If you, our listener, has any stories you'd like to share about the canal crossings, we would love to hear them please leave a comment on our blog or message us through Facebook by searching the St. Catharines Museum or on Twitter or Instagram at stc museum. That's it for this episode of Museum Chat Live. This podcast was produced by Sarah Nixon with special thanks to Des Corin for sharing his research and knowledge. Make sure to subscribe to Museum Chat Live and the museum's other podcast, One Hour in the Past, on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, so you don't miss more of our fairly regular podcast episodes, bringing you all things to do with St. Catharines, our history, and what's going on at our museum.
1: Museum Chat Live is brought to you by the St. Catharines Museum and Welland Canal Center and the City of St. Catharines.